Um, like Lindsay said, my name is Christine Cartwright. I'm on the leadership team here. My husband Lance and I lead a couple life groups together. We've been here for about four and a half-ish years. Uh, COVID in there. So uh, we have two boys together, Caleb, who's five, Jace, who's three, and uh, they keep us on our toes. We are potty training Jace right now, and every night he has an accident. And I prayed last night, God, I have to sleep before this. And it was the one night he didn't have an accident in bed, so I actually got to sleep. Thank you, God. Uh, Fun fact about our family is that Lance and I were set up on a blind date by our parents. We joke it's an arranged marriage, and it is, and it works, and sometimes your parents are right. So (laughs) thank you, parents. Uh, This summer, we're in a series called Devoted, and we're going through Acts 2 and looking at all the different things the disciples and the believers were devoted to, like prayer, fellowship, the breaking of bread, the disciples' teaching. Uh, This morning, we're specifically going to look at prayer. But what I want to reemphasize first is what Jason started with the first week, and that the purpose of this series is not to make you feel like you need to do more, more spiritual disciplines out of your own strength and not trying to force anything. What was true of the early church and what we want to be true for us is that they devoted themselves to these things through the enabling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit in them. It starts with an inner work and then an outer representation comes after. So I'm going to talk about prayer, their devotion to prayer, why we pray, and I'm going to share some personal stories that hopefully will get us excited about this thing called prayer. So let's start with a high-level overview of prayer in Acts, because it is everywhere. There are 34 references to prayer and praying in Acts all throughout the book. And what we're going to see is that the disciples and the early believers pray before anything and in response to everything. It was the driving force behind all they did. So here is a small sample of when they prayed constantly before choosing leaders, after persecution, for people to be raised from the dead, when in prison, in storms, for healing, for release from prison. Prayer surrounded every aspect of them sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. What I want to look at next is what happened as a direct result of their prayers. The Holy Spirit comes upon them in power, Places are shaken. There's earthquakes. They're continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The word of God spreads. Saul is healed. People are healed and raised from the dead. Gentiles receive the gospel. Lots of angels and prison breaks. Super cool stuff. Um, My most important point here is that prayer preceded every major event in the early church. And as a result... The church always grew, and more people came to hear the gospel. Before we dive into prayer, specifically in Acts, I just want us to take a second and look at where where we are now, just personally, on a personal level. There is a wide range of experience of prayer in this room, some good and some not so good. Only because prayer, like anything else that God gives us as a gift to build up the church, can sometimes be used against us by people in the church. And I just want to notice and pay attention to how this idea of prayer makes you feel. 
I'm going to give you a list of descriptors. I just want you to think about which of these rings most true for you right now. Is prayer boring? Exciting? Does it feel like a megaphone or a walkie-talkie? Is it awkward or comfortable? Is it something you look forward to or dread? Is it constant, rare, as needed? No matter how you answered, I want you to think about this. God meets us where we're at, not where we aren't. You do not need to be in a different place for God to meet you. As I was preparing this message, uh, I was praying for my five-year-old as we were tucking him into bed like we usually do. There was nothing particularly amazing about this prayer. I was praying over him, and he stopped me, and he said, Mommy, crying and crying out are different. And then he rolled over and kept talking about fly high and bugs and dirt and things that boys talk about. And I stopped him, and I said, wait, what did you say? Crying and crying out are different. I said, do you know what crying out means? He said, yeah. It's like the blow-up ghosts that fly high at Halloween that go, ah. And I was like, no, that's not it. (laughs) That's definitely not it. Uh, But thank you for that great definition of prayer, five-year-old son. Uh, That is Caleb's definition of prayer. What is ours? Why was prayer so important that the disciples made it foundational? Why did they treat it with the similar importance of teaching and preaching? Why was it more like the main course as opposed to a side dish? It was the driving force behind everything that they did together. I think it's because Jesus taught them personally how to pray and why. We're going to look at both. Here's what he told them. Matthew 6, 9, pray then like this. Your father knows, oh, sorry. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, just means holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think a lot of us are probably pretty familiar with this prayer. But do you know what the verse before it says? Matthew 6, 8 says, Your Father knows what you need before you even ask. And so my question is, well, then why do I need to ask? What's the point? Why do we have to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done when, isn't that what he wants anyway? If our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, present everywhere, then why does God ask us to pray? Why did Jesus pray? Fully man, fully God, he prayed all the time. It's not as if God needs our prayers because he's completely independent of every created thing and he has all the resources in heaven and on earth at his disposal at any time and yet he still says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. Throughout scripture, we see this principle that God waits on his people to ask before he moves. He wants us to be involved, to partner with him on the things that he's doing in us and through us. And that, I think, is the point of prayer. 
Prayer is how God chooses to accomplish his work in us and his will through us. Let's first look at how God accomplishes his work in us. Has anybody been to a chiropractor? Seriously, raise your hands. I'm curious. This is a new thing for me. Wow. Okay. Uh, I went to the chiropractor for the first time six months ago. It's just not something I was super sure about. (laughs) It seemed a little fluffy to me. Uh, I was wrong. And I went there because I was in so much pain, I was willing to try anything and everything. I went, got these x-rays, and as you can see, I have like the beginnings of scoliosis. Um, My hip was about one inch higher than the other, so one foot was really short. And it had been like that for a while. And my neck, I had some crunched up discs and things and bulging, and uh, I got my first adjustment. And as I'm walking out of the office, I kept tripping and falling over my feet because I hadn't walked right in the longest time. I had just learned how to walk with this misalignment for so long, I had to relearn how to do it the right way in alignment. I still trip when I come out of his office. And here is what my chiropractor told me, and I want you to see how it relates to prayer in us. When we come into alignment with Jesus, an adjustment happens inside of us like this. The signals from your brain or your head must travel through the nerves and reach your cells and organs. If there's a misalignment in your spine or a kink in in your hose, it causes those nerves to atrophy over time. And then symptoms arise in the cells and the organs that that nerve travels to. You can add all the drugs, the medication, the exercise you want, but if your spine is not aligned correctly, you're not fixing the problem at its source. The whole time he's saying this, I'm like, prayer, 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 prayer. And I told him that thinking it was like a revolutionary idea. And he said, I adjust a lot of pastors. And I've heard this a lot, actually, that just chiropractic is like prayer. I was like, okay. Thank you, Dr. Chad. Uh, So the point being, prayer and God's work in us is this process of realigning ourselves with God, our head, so that health and healing can come through our whole body. And it looks like this. We're going to use the Lord's Prayer, just the first part of it, and we're going to practice. If you would close your eyes, I'm going to pray this over you, and just pray with me internally. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. God, this life is really about you. It's not about me. You are holy, and you are in control. You are bigger than everything going on in my life right now. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Not mine. Not just what I want. I'm surrendering that to you and I'm asking that you would make your desires come alive in me right now. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I know you are the source of what I really need. I'm putting me and my needs in your hands. I'm trusting that you are good and you will provide for me. Sustain me. You will be my strength when I am weak. I saw several of you do what I do and just you feel it in your body go, that surrendering of control of what we think that we need, what we feel is about us. Like Caleb said, we're not crying in, we're not making it about us, we're crying out and it becomes again about God. 
when we focus and exchange our thoughts and ways for God's thoughts and ways, suddenly things, those little details that have torn churches apart, like the color of the carpet, don't matter anymore. Hopefully. Things like unity and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and the fruits of the Spirit happen. It changes our hearts. Like in Acts 4.23, it says all the believers were in one heart and mind. Not together. They were together with God. It started here first, and then the unity came. Prayer changes our hearts, and it accomplishes God's work in us. Turn to Acts 12, if you have your Bibles, and we're going to look at how God's will is accomplished through us. I have it up on the screen as well. I'm going to give you a little bit of context first because it's kind of long. So Herod had just executed James, brother of John. There's some believers. He is captured. They're in prison. He's planning on executing Peter. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. It's excessive, I would say, but there's already been one angelic prayer break earlier in Acts. Go ahead, Mark. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Dress yourself. Put on your sandals. And he did so. He said, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard... They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and reported to Peter that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. I have so many questions about that. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were astonished. I have two favorite verses out of this. The first one is verse 5. But the church was praying. Anything can be going on in our lives, and that verse can be true for us. Any trouble, but the church was praying. A praying church is a powerful church. And here's why. Here's what Jesus taught them about a church that prays together, has a very special promise that he speaks over them, Matthew 18, 19 through 20. He says, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, miracle number one, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there 
am I with them? All believers have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It goes with us wherever we go. It is our deposit that we are going to heaven, and it makes all the difference in our personal relationship and intimacy with God. But when we pray together as a church, we get to experience Jesus and his spirit in a different way. The Holy Spirit and Jesus' spirit is present and active and moving in us, responding to our prayers and what we ask. Two years ago, this last June, our family experienced what we would call the work of the Holy Spirit. And it looked like this. First of all, here's the context. We were having a lot of problems in every area of our life. My husband and I were fighting about pretty much anything for really no real reason at all. We had strained, if not broken, relationships with our extended family. My son was constantly sick. The doctors couldn't figure out why or what it was. They never did. Um, my husband's work situation was really tough, and it was affecting our whole family. We were mid-fight one morning in the bathroom, and we looked at each other, and it's like we both came to this realization at the same moment that there's something more going on here. This is beyond life's normal suck stuff. And so we decided to pray together, and that maybe this was a spiritual problem. And if it's a spiritual problem, we're going to treat it with spiritual tools. So we started to pray together. And every morning before the kids woke up, we would pray, God's kingdom come and his will be done in our family, in our finances, in our jobs, in our relationships. And essentially, the whole Lord's Prayer in the end delivers from temptation and evil. Okay, Satan, keep your paws off. This is consecrated to God. And here's what happened. Maybe about a couple days after, I'm not sure, but for about the period of a month total, we experienced signs and wonders of our own. My son started seeing angels and telling us about them. He called them his rainbow friends and uh, what they would do. And he gave his life to Jesus. And at nighttime, when I would be praying over him, tucking him in, he would have these conversations with God. And I couldn't hear God, <laughs> but I would sit there and just write everything that he said and said that God was saying to him. And they were all biblically sound. We weren't in Sunday school because it was COVID. I knew everything that was coming into him about the Bible and the teaching, and there wasn't much at that time, honestly. And everything he was saying and hearing from God was biblically accurate and true. Something else that happened was uh, my husband was filled up with this desire and hunger for the word of God in a way I've never seen in anybody in my life. And he carried his Bible around Room from room, to the bathroom, to the dining room, I mean everywhere, he wouldn't put it down. And every spare minute he was reading it. And when I asked him if it wasn't like a little excessive to go take it everywhere, he said, this is my sword. Why would I put it down? We, I started having dreams and visions again, and we also had miracles Something that happened uh, pretty soon after we started praying was during a time when my mother-in-law, who lives in our basement, she was washing dishes. And my son, who was three at the time, and my niece from out of town, they were playing in her guest room on the floor. She had this sense in her to stop doing the dishes and go and sit with the kids on the floor. 
Dottie Cartwright does not stop doing dishes till she's done with dishes, so we're clear. And she says it was weird. And she didn't feel like it was God speaking to her. She was just this prompting. And so she went over and she sat down on the floor with the kids. And within moments, sorry, the bolts holding a Murphy bed in the wall came out of the wall and landed on top of them. Dottie took the brunt because she was sitting there. But that could have killed my son. And because she listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, they were saved and they were protected. These things aren't just for the Acts Church. They're for us, too. It is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. God works through our prayers when we pray together. Not only were the apostles praying together, something we see throughout Acts, but they were praying earnestly, fervently, strenuously with perseverance, something that they had learned from Jesus in Luke 18 with his parable of the persistent widow. And his message to them was pray, pray, don't give up, just always keep praying. I know some of you might be thinking right now, hey, Christine, I've been praying for this thing in my life longer than you've been alive. And I haven't seen God show up. I feel like God's been silent to me. Why hasn't he answered my prayer? And my only answer to you is me too. I have seen the power of God heal fresh wounds, correct a lazy eye in front of me. I've seen him miraculously save my child's life more than once. I've also seen the power of God hold back a group of Satanists from a place where they could not cross this invisible barrier of protection God had provided for us, and all they could do was walk back and forth and back and forth, never able to enter because God was there. I've seen the power of God, and yet the thing I've been praying for, my personal healing, I haven't seen. The physical illness that has caused me great anguish and distress remains unhealed. I know God heals. I've seen it. Why can't I have that too? But something I did realize was that this thing God hasn't healed me of has caused me to lean harder on God every way, in every way. It has driven me to prayer and deeper relationship with God than I probably wouldn't otherwise. Maybe Jesus tells the disciples not to persevere and keep asking because certain prayer requests need more prayer or because we're trying to convince God of something he should do and why. But maybe God's saying, I want something more for you than just this here that you're asking for. I want you to persevere and keep asking so that you might have something of even greater value. Romans 5.3 says we glory in our sufferings. It's like even hard for me to say. That's hard. That's hard. Because we know, though, that our suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Don't give up. Keep praying. I'll pray with you. That's what this prayer team is here for, to pray with you. Sometimes God answers our prayers in ways we also just didn't even expect. Let's look at verse 16 again. 
They were astonished. The thing they were persevering for and praying for, the things that they had already seen, earthquakes, angelic jailbreaks, miracles, people raising from the dead and wind and fire, and yet they were still astonished when the answer to their prayer came knocking at the door. Prayer is an invitation to be astonished by God. I didn't tell this story in first service, but I'm going to tell it now because I have time. How many people have heard about the revival that happened in Fort Collins in the 60s? Anybody? Oh, two, three, yes, okay. I was surprised. I just learned about this recently. There was a church called First Christian Church. It's at the corner of Drake and Stover, which is now Antioch Church. This is the late 60s. They had about 200 members. Um, And four ladies would get together and pray every Friday night for revival. When a new pastor came in, the old pastor warned this pastor about these ladies and said, if you let them, they will pray all night long. You have to lock them out of the church. The church started receiving the gifts of the Spirit. They started being filled with the Spirit. There were lots of salvations. I don't know how long it took, but soon they were running 2,000 a service on Sundays, 600 in the youth group. 5% of Fort Collins at that time attended that church. Then from their revival also spread throughout the city, and 60% of Fort Collins residents, they say, became regular church attenders. I cannot find information to fact-check that apart from people's personal testimony. So let me know if you do hear that. A powerful church is a praying church. A praying church is a powerful church. God, when we pray, works his will through us, and we get to experience it. Here's how Tozer divines prayer. Prayer is not a ritual or a mumbling of phrases. Rather, it is experiencing the awesome presence of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray so they would experience God's work in them. And he taught them to pray so that they would experience God's will and his work through them. And the gospel always spreads and people are always saved because of it. If God's choosing to wait on his people to pray, to bring heaven to earth and his kingdom to come and his will to be done, then let's ask, let's pray, and let's not give up. I'm going to close with this. Last October, I was praying after one of our services, and I feel like I heard the Holy Spirit say two things, specifically about two rivers and the people in it. I heard God say, two rivers people are hungry, hungry, hungry hippos. If that doesn't give you a visual, I don't know what was, but true that we are a hungry people. That word was confirmed several times over the course of a couple weeks when we would meet together with people and ask them, what is it about two rivers that you stay or that you like? And they say, it's the people. They're hungry. We're hungry people. Here's the second thing that I heard the Holy Spirit say. And he said, ask me to move and I'll move. It makes me shake in my boots, and I couldn't say it out loud for a long time. I believe that's a promise for this church and this people and God's people everywhere. God wants us to ask because he wants to move as much as we want to see him move. We're going to start having a corporate prayer night every month. 
This month is going to be at the end of the July, end of July. Sometime in the week, we haven't nailed down a date yet, but it will be ongoing. This sanctuary will be open for corporate prayer, and we'll have prayer teams available for anybody that wants personal ministry time. I know we're hungry for God, and to see these things and experience them in ourselves first and then in the world around us. You don't have to wait for a corporate prayer night. You can pray with your spouse. You can pray with your family, your life group, anybody in this church. Let's start now, though, shall we? Worship team, you want to come up? God, you are big and awesome, and you are filled with wonders and astonishments. You are bigger than anything on this world has to offer. We surrender everything that we want in our lives, that we might want for this church, and ask that you would do what you want in us and in this church. God, we're hungry for you, and we want to see you move. Give us our day, our daily bread, all of our needs, Lord, because they come straight from your hand. We're not satisfied with breadcrumbs that fall from the table. We are children, and we're ready for the main course that comes from your hand. Lord, I pray that you would stir up and move in us. Let it begin with us. Have your way and move in our families, in this church, in this city, in this country and this world, in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. This is about you. This is not about us or what we want. This is your church. Do with it what you will. In Jesus' name, amen.